morning we're in the gospel according to saint mark chapter one i'm going to begin reading in verse 14 after john was arrested jesus came to galilee proclaiming the good news of god and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of god has come near repent and believe in the good news as jesus passed along the sea of galilee he saw simon and his brother andrew casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen and jesus said to them follow me and i will make you fish for people and immediately they left their nets and followed him as he went a little farther he saw james son of zebedee and his brother john who were in their boat mending the nets immediately he called them and they left their father zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him this is the word of life Well, late last year, as the staff was meeting and planning worship and thinking about sermon themes, we began to discuss the difference between presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, the presence of God, and the presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, that we give one another, representing our love of each other and maybe representing the love of God in our lives, and how the presence as relationship with god is so much more important because the presence we give are transitory temporary things we forget really so very often before very long and so we're thinking all this month and into next month as we follow these lectionary readings about how do we experience god how do people come to know god is alive in their lives through christ what is the difference in the whole variety of experiences that we have described in our scriptures and how does that work in our lives how do we identify when god is at work in our lives moment to moment we've already realized it's so much easier looking back to say oh god was at work but how do we experience god in the moment and know that god is at work for good in our lives it can be challenging to recognize where the spiritual realm intersects with the physical realm. It's not something we can really measure objectively. It doesn't happen the same way every day. It doesn't happen the same way in all of our different varying lives. So we are using our scripture lessons as a window to practical insights we can readily utilize in our everyday living. We've already discussed from the scripture stories we've read the importance of seeking this relationship with God. As we talked about the wise men and how they were seeking to know Jesus and to come into his presence. And we looked at some common features of spiritual journeys that we might want to be thinking about. We've talked about the importance of trust and how, how we have to come to trust God. And when we recognize that God is moving in our lives, that God is leading us or prompting us, we have to have enough trust to take that step, that next step that God might be calling us to take. And without that trust in God, that next step is so very difficult to take in our lives because so often it's a step out of our comfort zone. It's a step into a new future into which God is working. And yet sometimes we just find it so very hard 
even when we sense God leading us to really follow. Last week, we talked about the community of believers and how very important the community is to help us come to faith, to know faith, to live in the faith, to recognize the work of God or the work of Holy Spirit in our lives together. Well, this week we have another one of those gospel stories early in the gospel of Mark. We have this story of Jesus calling people to become disciples and to follow him. I think it's important here to notice that even though the different gospel stories all tell some version of Jesus calling people to be disciples, Mark gives us a feature that John didn't give us last week when we were reading in that gospel. Mark tells us about the occupations of these people before they became disciples. Did you notice that? As he begins to say that Jesus is proclaiming the coming of the kingdom and calling people to repent and believe the good news, then he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, and Mark says he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he goes on and talks about that call and then says a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John who were in their boat mending nets. They were fishermen as well. These people were everyday working people. These were business people. These were not priests. These were not pastors. These were not religious leaders of any kind that Jesus is calling. He's calling everyday working people in this case, fishermen, to follow God in a fresh and new way. And he extends this challenge to them. And even though they're gainfully employed and working, he makes the call. Yet their encounter with Jesus causes them to take a turn. Even though they've been working, once they hear this new invitation, this new call, It causes them to turn away from their boats and their nets and to become fishers of people, the text says. Jesus is inviting them to use the skills they possess but to use them in a new way. He invites them to use the skills they've already learned but use them in a way that helps build the kingdom of God on earth jesus says follow me and i will make you fish for people when the translation i grew up with even a little clearer follow me and i will make you become fishers of men you have skills you have talents how do you use them jesus invites these people to become disciples he invites us to become disciples to think about what we do and who we are and how we might turn toward god in terms of using who we are and the skills we have in a new way they take a turn this text says these four once called immediately responded and began to use the skills they had as fishermen to fish for people I've asked Audra Fogel, who's on our staff. She's been on our staff for a decade or so now. 
to come this morning and be our lay reader because I've asked her to do something similar since I've been here. For so long, Audrey was here working with our senior high youth ministry. So with teenagers and their parents and their families, she's done a splendid job. We've had a fabulous youth program, largely through her efforts and through her leadership. But I began to notice something about Audra after I arrived here. She connects with new people really quickly. She has an uncanny ability to meet somebody and talk with them for a few minutes. And I had this experience over and over with her. After everyone was gone on a Sunday morning, she would come and say, I met so-and-so. This is what they do for work. This is where they are in their life. This is what they're interested in. This is how the church can respond to help them. I saw her do that over and over, and I'm thinking, this is a great skill. We're trying to reach more and more people here at Boston Avenue. Maybe I could get Audra to change from doing youth ministry into doing evangelism. And I asked her about that. I want her to come now and tell you all how she felt when I invited her to move from the role that she had been used to into this new role. I'm not going to lie. I thought he was nuts. <laughs> Whenever I was 17, I felt a call into ministry. Um, and so I spent two years doing everything I could do with youth to make sure I really loved youth enough to work with them for the rest of my life. And I do, and I have, for 27 years. And so doing something different, I, I thought you were crazy. <laughs> she wasn't really warming up to the idea, as you can tell, when we first talked about it. I said, okay, think about it some more. I'll think about it some more. I'll pray about it. We'll see uh, what we can do. So I waited a little while. I watched her continue to work. We talked a little more. And I kept feeling like this was a good move. We really could make some important steps and progress here at Boston Avenue if Audra would decide that this was a good move. So tell us a little bit about what was going on with you as I continued to talk with you about that. As I tried to wrap my mind around what, what this would mean, um, one of my favorite scriptures is a scripture in Matthew chapter 10, and it talks about um, sparrow, two sparrows don't fall to the ground beyond the Father's notice, and you are more invaluable than the sparrows. And then it goes on to say, don't be afraid. Um, and so as I, you know, I've, I've worked with that with youth ministry, that I think every single person is important in God's eyes. Um, and there are lots of times it's scary, and so it's don't be afraid. And so as I kept thinking about all of this, it wasn't that my ministry was changing, it was the circle was getting bigger. Excellent. So you decided, she decided, we decided uh, finally to go ahead and make that shift. And she said, can we call it welcoming ministries instead of evangelism? I'm not really trained for evangelism. She said, I said, you were already doing evangelism. But anyway, we decided to call it welcoming ministry so she's been doing that for several months if there's some experiences you've had in the last several months that would perhaps confirm that god was at work in all these uh changes maybe you could share that with us well, i was terrified um but because at first i thought david was asking me to get people to join the church well i w I, I couldn't get to that but it's really it's not about that part at all it's about it's about being welcoming, and it's welcoming every single person that, that comes here. And it's not just me, it's, it's all of us in it together. And one of the things that I've seen in the years here with youth ministry, but also with so many of the Sunday school classes and groups of people, I have watched 
how Sunday school classes and groups have walked beside in times of, of really bad stuff. I've seen groups come together to celebrate really happy times. And then I've seen groups come together that can do something together that they never could have done by themselves. And so it is exciting to get to welcome new people into and get them connected to those kinds of communities. But it's not, it's not just the connecting to the community, it's also about who we're supposed to be. I mean, scripture after scripture after scripture says we're supposed to welcome, we're supposed to offer hospitality. And so we begin doing some training, we've put greeters in place, and that part has been so exciting because everyone seems to be willing to help. And you watch people welcome and invite somebody to sit with them during worship or show them where the restrooms are. And so to see our congregation be so willing to extend the love of Christ, that part has been fun. And so it's still really scary to call a new person because you don't want to be pushy. But it's exciting if we can help them find a church family and be connected here. So it has, it's been fun, and it's, it's been an honor. It hasn't been so bad. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Audra. <laughs> for being willing to try that and for being willing to uh, speak. She was another one when I said, oh, I want you to share this. It'll be great. And she was like, I don't think so. <laughs> Why don't you tell them? But thanks for being willing to share in your own words. I just um, thought that Audra's experience of using the skills in one area and shifting them in a new direction was so parallel to what the Gospel of Mark is telling us about these fishermen who were everyday working people and then began to follow Christ and use those same skills and yet in new ways. God's call can not only change our direction, but will empower us to do the work that the call entails. To do the work that God calls us to do. God will be with us in all of that. In the text, Jesus begins his public ministry, Mark says, by saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. You may remember that the word repent comes from the Greek word metanoia, which has to do with change of mind. But not only a change of mind, but a change of heart, a change in perspective that leads to a change in direction, a turning more toward God, making God more the center of one's life or at the top of one's priority list. Repent and believe the good news. And that good news is that God has come near in this person, Jesus of Nazareth, that we come near to God as we become more deeply devoted disciples and followers of his. But not only believing that that happens in the abstract that God is near, but believing that that can happen in your life, that God is calling you, that God is inviting you to take a step in faith, just as God was working in Audra's life to make the circle bigger, God is calling you to look for those opportunities where you too can reach out to someone too often when we think of change 
we fail to consider God's role in the potential change. What I find when people come and talk to me who are in transition, they're worried about whether or not I can do this. They're asking the question, can I do this new thing? Whether they're feeling called by God or they just had a change in their family status or their, their role and their work, their occupation, they're usually asking, can I do this? Can I make this work? That's an important question in terms of competencies and aptitudes and willingness and desire. But this text gives us a better question in spiritual terms. The better question is, I put this in your outline, can God and I do this new thing? If God is calling us, what the gospel promises is that God will empower us. That if God is calling us to take a turn or take a new step, that God will be there to equip us, to empower us, to lead us, to sustain us. And too often I think we begin to look only at ourselves in those transitions and fail to see that God will be with us. Verse 17 of our text, as Mark is describing this call, Jesus says to these disciples, follow me and I will make you fish for people. See, there's a twin dynamic there. There's something the fishermen can do is follow. But the gospel is also saying there's something God is going to do, is going to shape you and form you and make you be able to fish for people. We are not in this alone. They are not in this alone. God is with them. We affirm that in our affirmation of faith today, that we are not alone, that God is with us in life and death and life beyond death. God is with us and God will help us do this new thing that God is calling us to. My youngest daughter, Hope, will turn 21 in six days. Last spring, she's a student at Oklahoma State University She's at the end of her sophomore year. Everything's going great. She's having a wonderful time. She's making good grades. She's enjoying her experience. She comes home. Mary and I have already gone to bed on this particular Friday night. She comes into the bedroom and says, can I talk to you guys for a minute? We can tell that she is feeling something. We think something maybe is wrong. We say, sure. And she says to us, I think God's calling me into ministry. And begins to cry. We say, well, what does that look like? What do you think God is calling you to do? And she begins to describe a sense that God is calling her to leave our country and to leave the comforts of her home and her life experience and go to another place and serve people in need. Particularly, she's thinking children. So we talk about that a little more, and, and we say, when do you think God wants you to do this? And she says, right now. We're saying, oh, no, not right now. <laughs> you're 20 years old. You're in school. We're thinking maybe after you graduate. She says, I feel like God is asking me to go now but she already had a trip planned that we had paid for with osu to go study abroad 
So we said, why don't you go ahead and go do that? We've already paid for it. Let's not waste those dollars. And if when you come back at the end of the summer, you still feel like God is calling you in this way, we'll work on that then. So she goes and comes back, and after she sleeps for about 24 hours and recovers, say, so what are you thinking? And she says, I think God's calling me to go. And we go, when? And she says, right now. And we say, you're enrolled to start school in three weeks in Stillwater. How are you going to do this? She said, I don't know, but I think God wants me to go now. So we began to look for opportunities for her to do just that. She called the school, called her sorority, made all the arrangements to tell people she's not coming back to Stillwater. And she found an opportunity to go to Nicaragua with an organization that needed some people who could speak English to teach children in Nicaragua who speak Spanish and help them learn English. And so she spent last semester in the northwest part of Nicaragua in a very rural area with people who are mainly subsistence farmers teaching second through sixth graders a little bit of English. Because what they know in Nicaragua is that these students can learn English, their prospects for economic success skyrocket. So she spent her time there and had a great experience. She came home just before Christmas. We said, how about, what are you going to do now? And she said, out of this experience, I'm going to leave OSU. I'm going to go to OCU. I'm going to major in early childhood education, which hadn't been her major. 